Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hi, listeners. Listen to the Books and Boosts podcast with me, host Anna Temperley, and Marlena Lear as we crack open a bottle or two or three and dive into some interesting books, airing the first Wednesday of every month. Bye. There are phenomena that exist all around us. Kids playing above something and above something unknown flies over and disappears. People driving at night, seeing huge creatures cross the road. People waking up to find their cabinet door ripped open in their kitchen. Strange things happen. Strange things happen every day around the world and seemingly at the same time and area. But are these occurrences connected? This is what we are here to explore and are trying to understand. Join us on our journey to uncover what we call the Convergence Enigma. And welcome back, everybody, to the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan here on the Unex Network, as well as the Fearscape Media Network. Uh, I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, joined, as always, by the jolly and gullible co-host of mine, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, currently being yelled at by the Madar individuals because I thought a cloud could be a UFO. So... <laughs> Well, speaking of UFOs, we got a great guest here tonight. For those of you on YouTube, you guys can see we've got Earl Gray Anderson here. He's MUFON State Director of Southern California and an active member of MUFON's ERT, the Experiencer Resource Team. And it was great because Josh and I at the MUFON Symposium got to go to one of the Experiencer workshops and it was absolutely fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. I'm doing well. It was a good symposium, huh? It we, was fun. It was, fun. Yeah, it was, yeah. And yeah, we had the ERT table. You know, the Experience Resource mm-hmm. Team is. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, have been with them for about four years, maybe a little over that now. And um, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's all high strangeness cases that we deal with, abductions, visitations, and uh, I, I really found an affinity for that. So. Um, so I was kind of working the table, but it was cool because Kathleen Martin was yeah, working the table with me for a while, who, you know, is my f- dear friend and colleague, but I'm still a Been fan. Been on the show boy, a couple you know? times yeah. for us. Yeah, we are too. Yeah. But yeah, just well, a, a lot of great folks rolled out for this one. You know, he had, he had Mark D'Antonio did an excellent mm-hmm. presentation. Uh, one of my favorite um, the whole weekend. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, just in a, in a good chance to meet him in person as well. So so hey Earl, I have to ask. I'm sorry you probably get asked this all the time. Were, oh, were, God. Your, were your parents tea drinkers? <laughs> it's it's a, a, a musician name. Don't okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do, you, do you want the quick story? I'll give you the quick story. Okay. Well, sure, you know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a musician, and singer songwriter, and I kind of focused a lot of my energies at that for many years. You know, I'm here grew up in L.A. I'm a, I'm a native and and uh almost famous just like that movie almost (laughs) but but you know almost you know uh you know i played in a lot of bands we opened for a lot of you know good and and interesting wonderful people and and uh but around uh 1989 i was playing a place in santa monica in particular called at my place and there was a guy there whose name was uh let's see if i get it it wasn't eric anderson it was the, the oh goodness I it wasn't Eric Anderson but it was it was close right close, yeah and he he was the guy who played Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar and oh, he was a he was a, a yeah. tall black guy who 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 did R and B stuff yeah. you know oh what is so his name? <laughs> so the guy that did the marquee screwed up he put he he switched our names our nights so I get there and there's his name up there and I'm like. 
because it was really close. So the, the, the names were close, Anderson mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and the, the, you know, and it, so I was just kind of uh, thinking, well, you know, I, I don't want that to happen again. And people would kind of, you know, refer to Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull and go, oh, so you're, I get it. You know, it's a pseudonym. <laughs> you're, you're, you're kind of yeah. Jethro Tull-like. And, and so finally, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I was in a friend's you know, cabinet, and I see Earl Grey tea sitting there, and I start laughing. <laughs> and I realized, well, that's like free publicity. Anytime I play any any mm-hmm. coffee house or anything yeah, really. like that, it's I'm already there. Yeah, and they won't be messing my name up with with the other Anderson guy. And so Carl that was Anderson. where Earl Anderson or Earl Grey came from. And but but now you know, I I, I kind of stuck with it. My grandkids call me Earl Grey <laughs> so you know it's Hot. just how it is it's just uh, yeah <laughs> but 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 it kind of works you know the gray alien thing yeah. and, mm-hmm. well there's also and, the uh, the Picard reference right yes or, the Picard yeah. thing and and, the, and I had that name I, I I picked that name before Star Trek the next generation mm-hmm. so then of course yeah you know, Star Trek the next next generation starts up and it's it's Earl Grey hot, and I'm going. Oh God, everybody's going to think. Now you can be like, I'm Earl Grey, and I'm. Yeah, that's that's. They're <laughs> all going to think that's where I got it from. And you were thinking of, uh, and you were thinking of Carl Anderson. Yeah, yes. Carl Anderson. I, l- I love the, the Jesus Christ Superstar that's movie. Him. It's one of my favorites. Very good. You, that was a quick Google, or else you had yeah, that. I in did. There, no, I know? IMDb'd it, but I knew who he was because I. Um, <laughs> recently had was looking up ted neely and so i was like oh i wonder what the judas guy if he did anything else uh musically because i'm a i'm a musical theater major and so i was looking up i was like oh he's done some r&b and some other music and i started listening Mm -hmm. to his stuff on uh spotify and so i actually kind of got hip to his music a couple months back so he's really good yeah he's really good what's weird though i mean the thing is, I was doing like the acoustic one man acoustic thing, and people were coming to see him expecting to hear a full R&B band with a horn section. And yeah. Everything. And what's <laughs> weird is I played in a black gospel funk band before, you know, back awesome. in the back in the late 1970s. We we opened up for Al Green and, nice. and wow. Marvin Gaye, you know, at one point, and and uh, you know we played all kinds of places. Uh, and uh, but I never bumped into him in particular. But but there I was, you know, the end of the 1980s, and I'm I'm doing my acoustic thing. You know, you yeah. don't have to you don't, you don't have to pay side musicians and stuff. Right. right. <laughs> and if you can do it, you know, and get away with it, and that right. that's kind of was was my forte at the time. Uh, but you know, all these people were coming out to hear some cool funky music, and I. I wasn't it, you know? <laughs> so I didn't want to repeat that again, you know. And I, I, I don't know, you know, it could have just as easily happened to him, you know. And he yeah, really. would have gotten a bunch of people out there that wanted to hear something more akin to like Richard Thompson or you know, yeah. James Taylor or something in that realm. And 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 uh, nope, nope, you got Judas from Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, you know, and, and, and I was just ready for a change anyhow, yeah. you know, it was just kind of, you know, uh, but it's stuck and there you go. And people still like to call me Earl Grey. I, I kind of incorporated my actual last name and I usually go by Earl Grey Anderson. And, and, uh, uh, and you know, when I publish my, my book, uh, it, it'll have that, it'll be under Earl Grey Anderson. And that way it covers all the bases pretty yeah. much, you know. So there you go. That, very cool. It. Thank you. Oh, very cool. From. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, so you're off doing your musician thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're jamming out, uh, calling it unplugs. So you cause you could charge twice as much, and um, <laughs> and uh, decided to get into UFOs. Uh, that's a whole other story. You want to hear my origin story? Yeah, yes, we that. do. Yeah, we do. It goes yeah. way back because you kept alluding to it at the workshop, but didn't we didn't get the whole <laughs> thing? So I was like, the whole "Oh, thing. we're yeah. going to ask." Them I think I talked about that on Saturday. You guys were there yeah, on we, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we were we there on Sunday. The Saturday one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you got that was a cool a cool uh, Sunday. Was great though. That was you know we got everybody's story, and that that was yeah. what we were building up to as we mm-hmm. opened up the you know. Uh, giving the microphone to people in the audience who had had uh, alien contact. 
Um, when I was a little kid, my mom uh, told me some strange stuff. When I was about five years old, uh, it was just, we were sitting in the kitchen and she started telling me about how, I mean, we knew that she had worked for Howard Hughes. She was one of Howard Hughes's two personal secretaries. She worked in the Santa Monica Sepulveda uh, office there of Hughes Aircraft. And uh, she was very good at, uh, my mom was always really good at telling the truth, you know, telling if, if somebody was telling the truth. She was good at finding out, yeah. if, you know, somebody's veracity, you know, more or less. And uh, I think that that maybe made her, uh, for some reason, Hughes uh, had an affinity for my mom and, and, and he uh, kept like kicking her up in the, in the ranks. But she was uh, she she was technically a stenographer. That was back when they did uh, they did the shorthand stuff, which mm-hmm. you can't read unless you can unless you take a class in shorthand. It's it's weird scribbles. Then she wrote everything. Her shopping lists would be in shorthand. Wow. But but she would she would be the person that would go to these high powered um, more or less, well it was a military industrial complex the early form of that. Uh, my mom was kind of, she was it. And uh, she had to have very high security clearances to do this. And she knew pretty much our great national secrets. Um, so anyway, my mom, she sat me down in the kitchen and, uh, you know, we all knew about that. That was not, you know, it was no mystery around that, that she had done that. And that was her job. Uh, she, she quit Hughes when uh, when I when she gave birth to me in 1958. Yes, 19, 1958. I'm 64. I'm old too. Um, but but anyway, I, I'll never forget this. My mom starts talking about you know there there was this very strange place where I used to work, son. Um, they they took me out to the middle of nowhere, the middle of the great American desert. And I never found out which one, but now I'm starting to, <laughs> starting to put some things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said uh, they took me out uh, and there was this little shack. Uh, it looked like nothing. It was just a concrete kind of bunker shack and it was locked up and stuff. They opened it up and there was an elevator in this thing. And... I got in the elevator. I knew it wasn't going up, but, uh, you know, I thought it maybe was going to go down a couple floors. She said it kept going down and I was getting butterflies in my stomach. I was scared. And uh, the doors finally opened up and there was a little city under the desert there. She said that they uh, got around in golf carts, that there was, you know, people lived down there for long periods of time. Uh, she seemed to know a lot of German rocket scientists, <laughs> you know, yeah. I would, you know, Walt Disney would come on with like Werner von Braun was, was one of the guys that yeah. Disney would feature back then. And my mom would say, that's my old friend Werner. He is a charming <laughs> man. You know? Um, and, and she said that, uh, they had bo- a bowling alley. They had uh, a, a barber shop, but the guy could do my hair for me. So apparently, she got her hair permed in a, a military, a, a dumb, you know, a deep underground military mm-hmm. base. Um, and, and she talked about this a little bit, and then that was kind of the end of the conversation. And, and when you're five years old, it was just like, wow. Yeah. You know, but but you don't really question stuff. It's your mom, right? Yeah. Right. Um, Later on, my mom would talk about uh, life in the universe as though it was already a done deal, but we knew, you know, she spoke about it with authority. Uh, I overheard a conversation with her and her sister talking about the uh, Betty and Barney Hill case. And, uh, you know, my mom was saying, well, I I think that this could very, very well be real from what I learned and what Mm -hmm. I know. Um, and, And this was my mom's background. Uh, back in 1977, she kind of gave me another disclosure number because uh, my mom kept getting cancers over the years. And I, now I've heard, I've, I've done a lot of research on, on uh, deep underground bases. And this seems to be a common thing. A lot of people would get cancer after cancer. It wouldn't be a metastasized thing. It was just like they were irradiated. I don't know if they were using a nuclear pile down there to, you know, for power. I mean, it was probably off the grid. Yeah. Yes. I mean, otherwise you'd be able to, where, where's all this energy going? And that's, you know, there goes your secret. Right. 
so uh, 1955 or so when she was doing all this, I figured that they probably didn't know how to protect people from this properly. And so yeah. she kept getting sick. Um, so we went to see her oncologist uh, in this movie called Star Wars had just come out the day before. <laughs> so my mom had a clear bill of health and we, we, she was all happy. I was I was, you know, whew, you know, I was happy. I was maybe 19 years old at this point. I said, hey, here's this new movie. You know, it's early. Let's go have lunch and let's let's, let's catch the matinee of uh, this, this new, you know, science fiction thing. It looks really good. So after the film was over and the curtains closing, my mom just <laughs> it's like, son, you have no idea how close to the truth this is. You know, there, wow. there's other life in the universe, the spaceships, all that. She said, um, she said, they'll never tell the public this. They're afraid of how people will react to it. But we already know this is real. And she said, <laughs> I never forgot this, but it put kind of a, a bug in my ear that I couldn't get out for years she said it's realer than you will ever know son yeah. and for some reason that just kind of ate at me it was kind of like well i should know why is yeah. that realer than i should know and, right um over the years you know my mom kind of clammed up she got back into the the aerospace industry as a headhunter for corp you know like a corporate headhunter for you know she she like she alone she peopled the old rockwell science center out in thousand oaks area that built the space shuttle mm. um lockheed skunk works was one of her major contracts northrop was a major contract northrop by the way they have a deep underground base or at least they used to it had 24s apparently called the the anthill out in tehachapi california anyway <laughs> nobody uh, arrest any, me please i, I don't think <laughs> never had to sign any ndas on that i think it's any, kind uh, of in the ether and people know about that any but, uh, um, any any eg and g out there <laughs> I know exactly. Well, he had a guy in, in MUFON ZRT that used to work for those guys. But um, anyway, uh, when my mom passed away, I mean, she passed away from she got cancer over and over again. I mean, it kept coming back. And yeah. finally, the last time it got her and she it was 1999. She was on her deathbed and uh, I wanted her to lawyer up. I wanted her to expose what had happened, what they had done to her and you know, I told her it's not right. They didn't compensate you that well. You know, she'd go to Europe every year it was her big, you know, that was her big splurge, but it wasn't worth her life. And and other than that, we kind of it's not like we were rich or anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, but my mom said I would never sue my government if I would do it again. She said, you know, it was me. I, this is how I served my 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 government. I'm I'm you know, I love my country and I, I am I would do it all over again. Son, I would never sue them. Mm -hmm. you know? And she was gone maybe a week later. And I started, you know, I, I just really started reading through all the Leslie Keene's book had recently, mm -hmm. you know, was one that had made an impression on me. You know, uh, there were a few. They seemed to be getting a little bit more disclosure as time went on. And finally, I just realized that the only way I was really going to learn anything was if I got my own hands dirty and if I investigated mm -hmm. it for myself. And that's when I joined MUFON and I became a field investigator. And I guess I was good at it. You know? <laughs> and now I'm like 800 and some cases in. Wow. Uh, and that doesn't include, you know, the cases that I, the experiencer cases through the, yeah. you know, the ERT. That's another at least probably 100, 200 or something there. So um, that, that's how I got here. <laughs> So have you ever had your own experience or? It's funny you would ask that. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not unusual, right? I mean, what uh, now, you know, about seven, eight years ago, I was kind of a novice and I heard about the CE5 thing. 
uh, I had I was just starting to investigate cases and I remember I closed one that was a mylar balloon shaped like a star right and <laughs> and, and and you know I'm looking at him going I know that's a party balloon it's a gold yeah. party balloon in the shape of star uh, and so I was kind of feeling my oats you know I had my IFO you know and I, I can't wait until I get a UFO here you know um, but I, I remember going upstairs and well if you poke at the phenomena it's going to poke back i mean this is something that i've told for a long time i kept my own story to myself but i would tell my field investigators because i felt like i owed them that little caveat that little heads up you know yeah and uh, i would tell them that you know it's it's kind of a it's not like you're going to be a scientist with a microscope and there's something separate from you that's on some microscope slide that you're investigating mm -hmm. this thing is all around you and it's 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 i think it's part of us you know it's it's i think that there's some kind of integral thing between us and and uh and our visitors it's not just uh you know air shows in the sky if something's mm -hmm. going on i think it has to do with humanity with evolution so just be aware and then i would tell them what i'm going to tell you that uh i went upstairs at night after closing the case with a gold balloon <laughs> my ifo um, and I was lying down. I usually put a bunch of pillows behind my back. So I'm sort of semi recumbent when I go to sleep. Um, my wife was already asleep next to me. And this is in Burbank, California. It wasn't a rural place. It's the middle of, uh, you know, bustling Burbank. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I was not asleep. I was I was kind of getting ready to getting comfortable. And the room starts filling with light. It was just kind of gradual but uh you, you you couldn't not notice it uh there was no source for it, it wasn't mm -hmm. coming from a light bulb it wasn't coming from outside it was almost as it was light without a source and the brighter it got and the and the deeper thicker it got it seemed like it was thick <laughs> like it was this substance like a liquid almost um i became more and i i, I couldn't move eventually i mean it, it paralyzed me mm -hmm. um but i felt strangely calm i mean we had a cricket problem in the rafters you couldn't hear crickets sounded mm -hmm. like somebody had coated our house in cotton you couldn't hear external sound there's no road wow. you know traffic noise or anything like that um the walls started doing this weird swirling number <laughs> And it, it looked like somebody had poured cream in a cup of coffee. It just, mm. the, the wall just did this and opened up and it was maybe seven feet across, uh, uh, like this opening. Yeah. Uh, and you could see light coming from behind it. And these four diminutive entities came through. They didn't come through the wall. They came through the opening in the wall. Right. They didn't walk up to me. It was as though they were drawn to me somehow. It was the weirdest thing. And uh, I couldn't move at this point. I'm, I'm trying to communicate with them as, you know, I, I figured, you know, it was, well, I was trying to make contact. I guess this is it. I guess it's not going to be Valiant Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Some pretty space girl or something. It's these guys. And well, they were not communicate communicative with me they uh they they seemed to work together like a surgical team everybody had a job to do um and i was inside i was screaming i i they started taking blood from me and and it felt like energy like life force as well mm -hmm. and i didn't know if they were going to stop i wasn't getting a calming message i mean i'd read some of bud hopkins books yeah where people were told, don't worry, you know, this will be over. We're not going to harm you. Right. Uh, nothing like that. There was no communication to speak of. It was just uh, scaring the hell. It scared the hell out of me. It scared the hell mm. out of me. Um, anyway, uh, they finished doing what they were doing and they left. It was maybe 15, 20 minutes maximum. It what, didn't take them long to, to, to get what they wanted. They didn't didn't exsanguinate me, you know. I was still alive, you know. Although I felt very weak for a couple of days, uh, they went backwards back through the wall. The wall shut up, and I still couldn't move for a while. The room was still lit up for a while, but it slowly got dimmer and, and darker. And when I could move, I started screaming and yelling. 
<laughs> shaking my wife yeah. and, and and yelling about aliens incoherently, more or less. Yeah. And I think that she, I mean, she was really angry. I think that she may have thought that I had had a mental breakdown or I don't know what she thought, but she, she didn't, hadn't had any of this experience herself. And, uh, you know, she said something to the effect of, oh, my God, you joined this crazy UFO group. Is this what I have to look forward to? And, yep, I hear it. You know, <laughs> yeah, same. Now, I just kind of curled up into a, you know, fetal position and 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 just molded over. And I, I didn't sleep anymore that night, of course. It's like 3 a.m. when it, you know, it was over. And uh, we didn't talk about it. I talked to my state director about it. He was kind of a nuts and bolts guy, so he didn't want to hear, you know, oh, my great. My new field investigator says he met aliens. Right. Crap. Put all that time into training them, and here we go. (laughs) I called Peter Robbins, and he was a little more understanding. But, I mean, it's just weird, you know? I mean, you you know, somebody decides to become a field investigator. You you know, you don't generally, you know, suddenly have a close encounter, you know, of the fourth kind. Right. Um, Well, two nights later, my wife is shaking me awake. And again, our room was flooded. It was flooded with light. And my wife was pacing and she was like doing this and she was pacing. And she said, my God, Earl, you need to tell your little friends. They need to leave us the F alone. She used oh. to uh, use that word. <laughs> I, I already have insomnia and I don't need this. And what the hell, you know, and she's this. And, and two nights after that, we both woke up and again our room was flooded with light we call it the weird week we call it the our weird, weird week, week. <laughs> um and then the third night it was there was light though that was coming from from the window as well and we we both went to the window and we were looking out there and and it was coming from above the house hmm. um i didn't i was not going to go outside to see what it looked like you know um i didn't want to meet those guys again uh, so I, I, you know, now looking back at this, it, it, it changed me as a person, uh, mm-hmm. knowing where I am now, knowing my mom's past that she had in, in involved with with this stuff. And I, I've learned more because, you know, she does apparently have a, a file, you know, with with uh, uh, the, the Pentagon, you know, and I've had a couple of interesting people read but uh, I, I probably shouldn't mention their names, but <laughs> you probably know one of them. I mean, you know, I mean, they, but they're they're, you know, kind of mucky mucks that that don't hide that they, you know, have, yeah. you know, government contracts and stuff. And uh, so I've, I've found now, you know, that if there's a connection in somebody's it's it's familial, if there there's a connection uh, in, in, in the parents' life or the grandparents' life that, that it seems like people, you know, the, the, the children and the children's children, that there is very, very often, more often than not, uh, there's, there's ET contact that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, I have, I've, I've heard that perhaps it's because they're, they're familiar with that bloodline. They recognize mm-hmm. it. Uh, but but you know it must be something more than that than just familiarity well, but i i don't know what yeah know. i mean in, in you know if if you um if you subscribe to the theory that you know th- that we are experiments in a lab uh to the ets right that they're monitoring us to see how we react or respond to various stimuli then it would make sense that they would track through those genetic sure. bloodlines right to see if whatever they did 40 years ago has had an effect on, you know, the, the down the line generations. I mean, we do sure. the same thing, right? We yeah, experiment we do. on mice You're and right. other things. So it is, it is laboratory, normal laboratory technique, you know, if you're. Well, I- I got to say, so it's really interesting and I hate to share my own story during your own time, but no, I, 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 I ex- it. so I experienced um, night hag syndrome have since I was a kid. 
um, you know, all kinds of stuff, the sleep paralysis, the hags, mm. the dark figures. And one of the stories sounds eerily similar to what you had just shared. Cause uh, really? I was staying the night at my friend, my best friend, Santosh's house. Hmm. And the way this room was set up, the bed slides right in. I mean, it's, it, it fit in between the two walls, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, anyways, I had woken up and I couldn't move. And I saw two figures there as usual on the side of the bed. And uh, they were grabbing me and trying to pull me and things like that. And I can't move. I can't scream. I can't do anything. Uh, and one of them steps forward to the wall at the end of the bed and wipes it like that into a circle. And this portal opens up Wow! on the wall. And they step through the portal and grab my leg and proceed to pull me through the portal. Oh, no. And I'm awake, right? So I'm freaking out and I'm 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 trying everything in me to scream because I don't want to go through this portal. I don't and I'm I gotta be mm. 28, 29 years old. I mean, this is not like five years old or anything like that. I'm a full ass adult. So like, wow. but I'm trying and I'm like, I took every ounce of me, I'm like just about up to my thighs. And I was able to muster and I screamed my best friend's name and he comes busting through the door because the the room wow. was uh, two bedrooms were adjoined. So he literally hopped off his bed, and ran through the door and it woke me all the way up. And my legs are pressed up against the wall and I'm oh sitting God. with my legs pressed up against the wall. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Hmm. And I was like, wow. dude, and I'm fully awake at this point. And I told him everything that had just happened. Wow. But I mean, I can remember yeah. that looking at him and then looking and seeing my legs pressed up against the wall. Um, but just you talking about how the mm. wall opened up and everything like that, yeah. how you used um, the the cream. That's how it felt to me was like a latte. If you were to sw like swirl it, that's kind of what it looked like to me. Was well, how that, that was more up. than just sleep paralysis. I know that's what know? I'm wondering <laughs> now. <laughs> I need to add it because I'm an because experiencer. Sleep so, paralysis. Yeah, yeah. people so will like, see oh. you know usually tall you know robed figures and things mm -hmm. like that. But uh, well, in my case, I was not asleep though. It wasn't like I woke up out of yeah. sleep. I was awake. I was yeah. hoping to fall asleep. Right. <laughs> that's that. I got something else. You know, but yeah, um, I've always uh, that makes me wonder because I am an experiencer myself, and I'm like, yeah. is that is that another one now? Because boy, uh, maybe it like similar. triggers the other. Maybe they they kind of trigger each other. You know, yeah, uh, maybe I, I, it felt to me like like you know, as as I got calmer and as the room kind of flooded with light, I I, I felt like I was put in more of like a hypnagogic state mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. I was calm. I mean, I, right. I wasn't. It, it took a while for me to be horrified. I mean, when I started thinking that this could be fatal, that was when I, yeah, was, that, I that's, that's when I got yeah. scared. Um, and, 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 you know, the, here's the thing though, you know, I, I, I think, I don't think that, uh, no, I think that our visitors, they run the gamut as far as their motives go. I, you know, humanity runs the gamut, right? right. 100%. Just because there's bad humans, it doesn't mean that they're all bad humans. Yep. And just because there's good humans doesn't mean they're all good. And I, you know, we're not talking about gods or angels. We're talking about other beings like ourselves that are just more highly uh, technologically developed than we mm -hmm. are. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, it seems like magic to us, but, uh, you know, the, this would look like magic if I handed it to Leonardo da Vinci. It's just, you know, high technology <laughs> right. that he wouldn't understand. So right. it would be witchcraft and I would get burnt at the stake or something. Right. You know? But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it was magic. I think that it was, uh, it was a technology that's, that's higher than ours. Um, and I don't think that they would, they were just trying to scare me for the, the halibut, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, but, but as time went on, you know, I, I had a couple of other experiences. Like I had a close encounter with a craft again, I was driving to work and, uh, I saw this, this craft and it wasn't a beautiful UFO. I mean, I always wanted to see, you know, this, this, you know, just like a sleek looking, yeah. you know, zero gravity, you know, <laughs> the sports flying model. saucer. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I have a model. I made of it up there, but, but, you know, uh, it, it looked like somebody had taken these shipping containers, like really huge ones and, and, and very heavy ones. And it welded them together into the, into the shape of the, kind of like a boxy v 
And, uh, and but the closer I got to it, the more I could tell that I really wasn't in control of myself. Mm. Or you know, while that was happening, I, I didn't realize it. But when I finally got away from the thing, you know, I was just like, you know, what what happened to me there? But you know, I was me going to work. I, I obviously, you know, wasn't smoking anything or that. Yeah. You're drinking, right. and not like you see something like that if you drink too much, anyway. But uh, but the closer I got to it, it seemed like it was a teachable moment. Um, you could, you know, I'm like trying to figure out how somebody hoaxed this thing. First of all, is my yeah. field investigator mm-hmm. training coming in? And there was no, nothing that you could tether this from. There was no telephone poles, and it was like 35 feet off the ground, hovering over the schoolyard. When I was about 35 feet away from it, it suddenly changed in perspective. It was a mile away, and it looked like it was the size of a football field. Same mm-hmm. shape, same, but it just wasn't there anymore. It got, and that you know, and and, but you know, I wasn't taking photographs. I wasn't calling the media. I wasn't, you mm-hmm. know, calling other star team members for MUFON. Uh, though the what was going through my head was, and, and I didn't like my job time what was going through my head was is you're, you're going to lose your job you're going to be late for work you'd be like you know it's like who cares you know it's a ufo oh it's a smoking gun but you know i mean they were in control i wasn't uh, i'm like three miles out and then i'm like i pulled over i'm ready to fire myself from mufon it's like some chief investigator i am you know i i yeah. could have had the smoking gun it would be you know all over as far as you know, them withholding us from the public. But I think it was to teach me something that what you see isn't necessarily what you're seeing. Other people yeah. aren't necessarily going to see yep. it for you. And uh, it was a teachable moment about something about, perspective. you know, yeah. uh, that's something that uh, Stefan and I talk about a lot um, is that in, in one of the theories that I have even is that um, to, to, to see a phenomena, whether it be a, a full craft, whether it be a bean, uh, whether it be, you know, lights in the sky, whatever, uh, that you just can't explain, that that, um, that event for you, the viewer, is an initiation yes. for you, the viewer, right? Yes. Um, it is meant to change something, to change your perspective, to cause mm-hmm. you to think outside of the box. Yes. Um and then when you don't, so, so a little bit of a, so Stefan and I had an experience in May of 2020. And then I haven't had one since, and I've wanted one. I've wanted them all the, like every night I go out and look at the store. <laughs> I want an experience, you know, yeah. but, um, I, I but, I, but I've not had one. And so, um, you know, the theory that I have and, or that, you know, whatever I'm developing is that they appear when, you need that change in perspective. But if you're already going down the appropriate path from the first event, there's no reason for them to show themselves to you again. It's only if you start to sway or deviate from the path that they think you should be on to have that you spoke of kind of next spiritual evolution as a Mm. uh, species. That's when they reveal themselves to you again to kind of get you again, get those creative juices flowing and, and thinking about what does this mean and, and what is, you know, what does this mean for us as a pe- as a people? So anyway, so that's, that's just one of, like I said, a, <laughs> no, a, you're right. I, I see it that way too. I mean, I, you have a person will have that flashpoint. Okay. Or that right. catalyst where that's that initial experience. And it like opens up the whole Pandora's box for you, you know. And for me, you know, John Mack would call it uh, ontological uh, ontological shock. And what that is is it, you know, that that's what I experienced with my initial experience. Was it felt like reality, my my formed reality of a whole lifetime's worth mm-hmm. of living on this planet was pulled out from under me like a rug sort of like a magician pulling the tablecloth out from under the dishes, you know? And right. I, there I was, you know, I'm, I'm still me. I'm still, but everything has changed. And, and, yeah. and I, in, in a way, you know, I kind of suffered from PTSD uh, from it. Uh, and, and I, I 
you know, I met, you know, one Marine guy that was taken through the ceiling and stuff of his barracks and went through a horrifying, uh, you know, I mean, they were intentionally trying to scare that man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it changed him too. You know, I'm talking with him 40 years later and just kind of a compassionate, empathic man uh, without a mean bone in his body. Um, I think that if, you know, if there are certain uh, Shaolin monks that will hit you with a sword to wake you up, they'll hit you with a <laughs> blunt end, but they'll hit you hard, right. you know, and it's just like, wake up, you right. know, and I think that that was my, my wake up, uh, it, and it initiated synchronicities in my life. I started mm-hmm. experiencing things would connect. Uh, I understood the phenomena suddenly much much more mm-hmm. than i did before things started making sense i started connecting dots about stuff and uh i would be thinking of a certain author or wishing that i would meet some you know oh i wish there was another witness that i could call on that had seen the same you know yeah. craft and stuff mm-hmm. well that would start happening you know i mean they were you know synchronicities which uh, carl young came up with that word it means uh a, a meaningful coincidence Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the gifts that that, that experiencers uh, are given. Uh, Kevin Day experiences this. Uh, he experienced this after he had his close encounter with the Tic Tac on the Princeton. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had like gifts that uh, appeared in his life that we would normally attribute to uh, our visitors themselves. So I think that there's like a cosmic contagion. It's a good contagion. You want to catch it, you know, where it actually makes us better humans. You know, it may be a scary, horrifying experience. You know, that may be what it takes to shock us. And, and, you know, I I don't think that my beings necessarily had good motives. I mean, they seem pretty malign, but I don't think that they're in charge. I think that they have to, all the beings have to answer to whoever is in charge there. I think there's something (laughs) like Star Trek's prime directive or something. (laughs) It's funny because I um, uh, I don't know about, uh, we'll call it 45 days after Stefan and I had our experience in my backyard. Um, I'm like off the deep end. I'm reading as much as I can get my hands on. I'm researching stuff. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading them. And so I'm laying in bed one night and I, um, I, I imagine whatever, but I feel like I'm having this telepathic conversation with Ingrid Cold. Um, hmm. okay. And so um, I asked Ingrid Cold about, uh, about the grays. And he says, uh, we needed them. So we made them. They're like, uh, they're like hmm. biological androids. They do our bidding. Um, and then I've heard other people describe the grays, uh, you know, in documentaries and things as kind of being the same. So it's to your point, synchronistic in a way, because it's, it's kind of giving somewhat of a significant, a significant, um, you know, um, whatever the, I can't think of the word right now, what I want to say, but it's, uh, uh, giving it more value because Mm -hmm. if somebody outside of my immediate circle, is validating uh, this this experience that I had, and, and that's one of the things that that you know has driven us to do this show for almost three years since I got involved, um, is that kind of echoing of you know what people are not alone, and there are people that have these experiences every single day all over the globe, and you know the number of people who report it to MUFON. Uh, it's just an, it's just a, it's probably a small drop in the ocean of people who experience these things that, that just go and never report it and never tell mm-hmm. anybody and, and yeah. just carry it throughout their life. And so, um, you know, that's, that's probably the thing that as you, as humanity, we have the most in common is that we all experience these, uh, bits of the phenomena. Yes. Um, and we all have that in common. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, uh, I mean, it's a personal phenomena, you know. I mean, yeah. this, this is one thing that I've seen with, with experiencers, whether they believe they're space brothers or they believe that they're evil reptile people, whatever. Right. It doesn't matter. It seems like it makes you, it seems like it makes people better people. Their right. empathy is kicked up. 
uh, some a lot of people will become telepathic. They'll have psychic flashes. They'll get downloads. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, in, in the Book of Acts or something in the in the New Testament. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, there's like gifts that uh, yeah. that people have. Um, and, and I see it from case to case to case. There's even a term for it, the Valet Davis effect, they call it. Uh, Kenneth Ring noticed this at first. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, what was it called? The Omega Project, I think it was, that uh, he wrote back in 1991, where he, he, he was a guy who studied near-death experiences and he would started noticing that there were similarities between the people that had a near-death experience and the people that had had uh, a face-to-face with our visitors, with uh, entities. And and uh, so he, he wrote a book about it, and, and uh, Valet and Eric Davis also noticed this in all of their studies uh, from, from uh, case to case to case. So people know about this, but you don't hear about it. I don't think you hear about it enough. I think there's a lot of people running around that are horrified. I know people that wish they could kill their aliens or throttle them. You know, I, yeah. I, there was one guy that, you know, was, was sleeping with a, a gun. He was hoping that they wouldn't quite, you know, paralyze him and you'd be able to shoot him. You know, it's like, don't, you'll shoot your neighbor, you know, or you'll yeah. start an interstellar war. Not a good idea, dude. Uh, but, but I think that there's, that it's not all malign. Uh, now that may not be the motive of that particular entity, but the overall thing is, is that that contagion yeah. is that 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 we get that from them. And you know what else? It, nothing is ever just one way. I think that right. we're affecting our visitors too. I think that we're possibly human humanizing them yeah. because they're spending a lot of time with us. And and from what I'm seeing. Um, there's like this exchange of, you know, energy or whatever it is that uh, if they're changing us, I'm sure we're changing them mm-hmm. too. So, um, <laughs> so this is kind of the way I, I look at the phenomenon now. It's, it's really changed, you know, from the nuts and bolts idea that I had of it. You know, I thought I was going to be looking for spaceships, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way I am, you know, but uh the exciting thing is seeing this interaction and and i think that mm-hmm. it has to do with human evolution you know yep um because here we are you know we're still uh hating on each other we're still a warlike species uh our technology is way up here we're ready to enter the space age but yet you know we're acting like a band of ruffians you know genghis khan you know eat your heart out Um, and, and so something has to change with humanity. And I think that that's, what's going on. I hope that they, I hope they work faster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) you know, um, uh, thinking along that line too, is that we, Steph and I have talked about it before. If, uh, Hollywood, um, in the movies and the shows and things have been a catalyst of, uh, you know, desensitization, of the human race to ET, mm, yeah. right? Mm. Um, and it seems like I was just mentioning this today. It seems like a lot of the new movies and shows are, are dealing a lot more with spirituality, not necessarily religion, but but just spirituality and nature. And mm. so, if if you accept the you know the idea that they have been along the way for the last sixty years helping us to accept ET, is this the new kind of narration of you know the narrative of you know? kept getting us to expect accept more of spirituality and where that could take us as a species. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that uh, there's something deep that's going on. I don't think it's malign. I don't think they're demons, you know, that that was a big problem that the Pentagon had, you know, they, they threw $22 million into this study that, uh, you know, kind of centralized around Skinwalker Ranch and all that. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of the guys and, you know, the mucky mucks in the Pentagon, they felt like, well, no, this is from the devil, you know, and they didn't want to touch it. They, they didn't want any more money to go into that anymore funding and they didn't even want to hear what we learned because you know they they misconstrued uh, it you know we were just kind of very yeah. you know we have our little box of comfort that we like to think in and anything else we call you know paranormal recall right you know and and it just like the word paranormal you know MUFON doesn't like that word so much it, it, because actually 
what we need to do is open up our idea of what normal is. You right. Know? Right. It's not para, you know, it's part of normalcy. Excellent. You know, I mean, you know, Newtonian physics is so quaint. Um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've lived with a Schrodinger's cat for many, many years now, right. but, but people are still comfortable with their, you know, kind of nuts mm-hmm. and bolts, you know, yeah. apple falling out of a tree hits the ground, bam, and that's all there is to gravity. Um, and of course, we know that it's much, much different than that. It's closer to magical realism yeah. Than, yeah. than that. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So uh, anyhow, I, I, uh, I, I, what I love about, about this phenomenon and, and, and just where it's taken me is it's felt like a journey. It, it sometimes feels like, you know, like there are epiphanies that, uh, you know, it'll be kind of quiet and I'll learn some stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's just, yeah. oh, 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 that's wow. And the synchronicities keep coming, you know. Yep. I mean, I had a case that I was working on seven years ago. And it was a. I back then I thought it was an amazing case. It's like, oh my God, this is like a blue book case for better, you know, and yeah. involves this whole family. And and then the main witness passed away. Uh, lo and behold, uh, a little less than a week ago, I'm reading, you know, and just some random UFO group on on uh, social media, and there's I'm. It's like, wait, this is that same case. Wait, the guy died. Well, it turns out that it's the guy's brother and he's ready to talk now. Back then he didn't mm. want to he didn't want to talk, you know. So, you know, we lost the main witness and now there's now there's two that 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 actually want to talk. And uh I, and I'm so thrilled, uh, but it's a deep case, you know. What I mean, it has like a UFO crash involved with it. Mm. Uh it was on uh parts of it were on the front page of my old local newspaper. This happened in my old hometown. Wow. Um, you know, Thousand Oaks, California, and one one of the uh, one of the people involved, one of the witnesses I've known since high school. You know, um, and and that person is ready to talk mm. now. Before she was not ready to talk. It was it was like no, it's just too distressing. It, it gives me PTSD just to even mm. think about. <laughs> so you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like these things will come to you in the right time. And it all seems very strangely ordered. I wouldn't have been ready for this case seven years ago. I didn't understand the intricacies of this strange, strange phenomenon. And not to say that I'm, you know, that I can understand it now, but I certainly understand more than I did then. Uh, And I've got, you know, so many cases to compare things with. And you notice Mm -hmm. markers, things in common with everybody that has experienced this. Uh, there's stuff that I don't tell the public about that, you know, somebody will say the same thing. It's just like, ah, bing, you know, a little bell yeah. ring, you know, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, and it's just an extraordinary thing. I don't feel like I'm alone for some reason. I feel like there's mm-hmm. some guiding force. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the way that, you know, it's, it's interesting you use the word journey because Stefan and I have talked about, you know, since we saw our sighting in my backyard, we feel like we've kind of been on this spiritual journey and these things are kind of unlocking, <laughs> unlocking along the way. And it seems to yep. be that that it's it's it unlocks when we when we need it to unlock, not necessarily when we want it to. Right. You know, this is why, <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm like, give it to me now. But, you know, it's, it's not it's 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 like it knows that I'm not quite ready to yeah. to realize that truth and so it kind of holds back a little bit um you know so i mean i i had that experience that night uh, we've had a few things here and there i saw a black triangle taking my kids somewhere one day uh, little things mm. like that but but i've like, never seen one of those and i loved i mean you know the only black triangle i've ever seen is this one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know as my little you know visual aid for yeah. tv and stuff but um but uh yeah that i do you feel that those are do you think that we build those or do you think that those are a product of our our visitors both. or do you have an opinion so i think it's both 
Yeah, I think, I think that I think there are <laughs> some that we build. Column and A, column yeah. B. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think, agree. And I think the ones that we build are probably our best attempt at replicating the ones from our our, yeah. our other you know counterparts. So I think they look similar on the outside. Yeah. I, I had one cop that uh, saw one, and uh, he was maybe thirty five feet away from it, and it was just hanging there, is hanging over his neighbor's house but it it didn't look like they weren't his neighbors weren't being abducted or anything it looked like somebody mm. was on a coffee break or had to take a restroom break or something mm. and just left it in park and he's looking at it and he could see these indentations and there was like ventilation systems that he could yeah. see it looked like and looked like there were hydraulics in there and that doesn't sound like a ufo to me yeah, now, if yeah. we saw one of their black triangles, I'm sure that it, you, you, it would be much, uh, you, you wouldn't see all the plumbing and stuff there. <laughs> you don't yeah, really yeah. see that on, on, on UFOs. But Mine, The one I saw kind of was just above the tree line, hmm. uh, just kind of, just kind of sailing across into nothingness. And, and I was driving my kids to go get COVID tested so they could go to school that day. And wow. so I couldn't. I couldn't pull over. I couldn't take pictures. And I'm driving, you know, and, and of course, my wife's looking at her phone and my kids are half asleep in the back seat, And so I'm the only one that saw it. But um, hmm. again, you know, to the idea of these things are presented to you to kind of keep you engaged or keep you kind of moving in that direction. And when I look at that part of my life, I did I, like I was kind of questioning what am I doing? Is this still like where I need to be? Am I crazy? You know, so on and so forth. And so hmm. here's this kind of, you know, nope, you're not crazy. This is stuff that's really <laughs> happening. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, synchronicity again, my, my wife's high school buddy, uh, she and her husband met us at the Denver symposium for dinner and uh, she brought her husband along with her and and Lisa didn't know where he worked or anything. And we're, you know, we're all talking our usual stuff. And there are a few ufologists sitting there and, and we're talking about black triangles and all this stuff. And he looks kind of, you know, <laughs> he didn't want to talk. Well, we found out this guy works for Lockheed Skunk Works and he works at Plant 42 over here, you know, where I got... <laughs> hauled away with a film crew you know because the security didn't like us with a camera pointed at there I mean, we were following the signage and everything but they still chased us away um and uh and he works he works at uh, the point magoo facility and I, I have a friend that lives in the flight path that would be point magoo to edwards area and he's seen some weird stuff. I mean, he saw a black disc with one little red light in front, perfectly silent, going right across, heading towards Point Magoo, you know, where mm. Lockheed is. And he called his wife out and his drummer, you know, another musician guy. That's, that's his, my friend Eric, recording studio out there on his ranch. Um, I know so many people that have seen stuff in, in that area, also near Plant 42. I've had aerospace engineers uh, put in UFO reports and the one guy uh, and, and I know he you know he wasn't you know pulling my leg I'll ask to see the badge and have them redact numbers yeah and stuff yeah. but I I, I want to see the badge and and, and no yeah he was, he was a aerospace engineer at plant 42 he's saying I just want to know how to get on that project do you know how to get on the project <laughs> <laughs> I said nah, my mom might have been able to help you but I, I don't know you know well um, no I had a triangle that was seen in 1965 and I don't believe that was ours and it was seen by a whole family I got them all and you know interviewed them all separately in their like early 90s now and and uh you know that that was not us that was 1965 yeah. i don't think we had anything well you know and and this will probably be a conversation for if you want to come on again we gotta start wrapping up sure but uh, i'd love how to how quick pick, an hour went yeah uh, goodness it always I'd love does to pick your brain more about the secret space program but again next oh, I'd love time to. next time <laughs> sure so, i'm sure um, we have one we yeah. of course we have a secret space program <laughs> so your, your black budget dollars go folks right black triangle budget <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want one, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's anything you wanted to plug or talk about, this is that moment that you can kind of share anything there. Thank you well, if if anything that I've been saying 
sounds familiar to you guys out there in radio podcast land. Um, just go to MUFON, M-U-F-O-N, MUFON.com. Uh, that's our main website, and uh, it'll say report a craft sighting or report an abduction entity or visitation. And if you click on either of those, you'll get somebody like me or one of my teammates that I have uh, in my group, and uh, we'll investigate your case. If you're an experiencer, we will treat that with kid gloves. Um, you will be safe with us. We're non-judgmental, and we treat uh, contact cases very differently. Um, and we'll have resources if you feel like you need a support group. Uh, you, you want to have a, a hypnotherapist to try to regain uh, missing time uh, events and stuff. Uh, so MUFON is, is all-purpose, big tent, uh, and, I, and I love the organization. So I highly recommend that you would do that. Perfect. And that, that's Perfect. kind of it. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Earl Gray Anderson. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you, you guys. guys so much for tuning in to the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. This has been Stefan, and I just want to remind you to keep your eyes on the skies. This has right. been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, keep questioning, keep searching. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>